You one dumb asshole, Pancho. You know that? Some people was laughing at you. Can't you see nothing? Some kind of fucking joke to them. Hey, I had a good time. Come on. <laughs> He's right. They were patronizing you. Hey, you go talking that Harvard shit again? Huh. You did fine. <laughs> hey, I thought you guys were great. Who do you think you patronizing now? She might take that shit, man. I don't. I don't have to go to Harvard to know what you're doing. You know what I'm trying to say to you, man? Do ya? Yes, we do. But then shut the fuck up. You don't tell me how people react to me. I know what people are doing no matter what they say. Because I read minds, you dig? I don't take no shit off of you. Lying through your fucking teeth. I know it, you know it, and this fucking hoe know it. Come on, leave me alone. Yeah? Yeah? Nice soul. Come on. What are you doing? Whatever the fuck I want. Get in the car. Folks, welcome to another episode of Simbi Podcast. Uh, this is um, no one our, our straight out of the uh, beef out of the canon episodes. I just got that wrong again. We're, uh, we discussed two canon films, uh, one of those makeup shows, because uh, this week uh, this weekend is Father's Day weekend, and I'm putting a show out on Sunday. And I want to have something to put out on Wednesday too. So uh, with Duncan gone from from Legion, I guess I um, take up that mantle, turn it over myself into a workaholic. I, oh my I, god! Yeah, that, that can be really bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with you tonight uh, from the "They Must Be Destroyed on Sight" podcast, it's Mr. Lee Russell. How you doing, sir? I'm doing great, Gary. Uh, thanks for having me. Always fun to be here. It's great to have you too, sir. Um, oh, we'll start the show the same way we start every show. I'll, I'll probably skip the second because I, I recorded a show earlier and uh, I kind of blew my what I've been watching lately on that show. So I'm going to ask you, what have you been watching lately? Uh, I haven't watched a lot that wasn't, you know, sort of podcast specific. You know how sometimes as podcasters we end up just watching stuff for quote unquote work instead of pleasure, you know? True. Um, but uh, I did see something that uh, Blumhouse just kind of uh, shadowed on Netflix uh, after having it on their shelves for a couple of years. Um, yeah, it was uh, Delirium with, uh, what's his name? Topher Grace. Mm. Yeah, and it wasn't bad. Um, I was kind of expecting your typical sort of haunted house film with scary Japanese ghost girls or possessed people or whatever. Uh, But it was actually kind of interesting. It was kind of playing into um, Topher Grace plays this kid who is like in a mental institute for like 20 years after he and his brother did something like really terrible. Um, And then he inherits his dad's house after his dad commits suicide. And so... Just coincidentally, he gets out of uh, the mental institution just as his dad kills himself, and uh, so he inherits the house. And then it seems like either the house is haunted, or people are trying to fuck with his uh, mental problems and make him think it's haunted, so he'll end up losing the house. And it does sort of play that up for a while. There's some pretty good tension. Um, Topher Grace is actually pretty goddamn excellent in it. Uh, sort of, he sort of steps out of playing that sort of babyface uh, sort of. Michael Sarah before there was a Michael Sarah kind of role, you know. He was the he um, was the Michael Sarah before there was a Michael Sarah, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. I never, um, I never put and, two and two together, but they're almost the same actor. Yeah. Yeah, and, and before him, it was uh, Devin Sawa yes, from uh, Final yes. Destination. <laughs> uh, 
and it was pretty good. The the ending gets a little convoluted. There's a few too many twists and turns, and it kind of borrows a bit too much from some uh, other films that were popular right around the time this was made. And I can see kind of see why it got put on the shelf because they kind of figured, oh yeah, people are just going to think think this was like just too derivative of everything else that was out around that time. Um, like there there's one twist in this that's just kind of. Okay, I saw that in uh, another very popular movie from a couple years ago. Um, but other than that, not bad. Like, as far as, you know, like, if you're just on Netflix and you're bored as fuck and you want something to watch, it's actually kind of a good uh, little breezy kind of watch. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Um, this, this film that the I only saw, other... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, this film I saw in the theaters that didn't... I liked, but didn't get a whole lot of play. Uh, I think it was a Blumhouse too. Was the Darkness with Kevin Bacon, and I, I thought it was really good to like the last twenty minutes. You know, where every Mexican housewife housemate is a uh, knows about ghosts and spirits and shit. Uh, right. Get involved. Until then, it was really, really a good movie. So I, 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 I worry if you guys haven't seen the Darkness to give it a watch once, and uh, <laughs> you might like it. Um, it's not bad. I mean, it's got Kevin Bacon in it, so it's, it can't be all bad. But, um, but yeah, Blumhouse seems to like they just make so many things that sometimes they don't have a strong finish on some of the shit that they do. That, that that's what, I've noticed that in some of their films where they just kind of, eh, they just kind of ease over the finish line a little bit. You know, they just sort of stumble over instead of race through it or whatever. But um, yeah, so Delirium's it's worth your worth your time if, if you're bored and you got nothing else to watch on Netflix. Um, cool. The only other thing I watched uh, was uh, I've, I'm six episodes in now on a TV series on Netflix. Um, and typical of me, I'm sort of like always like really way behind everybody else when it comes to watching like the new cool shows on Netflix or whatever. I always sort of binge them afterwards uh, after everyone's done talking about them. That's what they're um, there for, see? For you to watch them yeah. all at once. Yeah, so uh, I start watching uh, Altered Carbon, which is like their big sci-fi show that they came out with this year. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually pretty good. Um, I've heard like one other person talk about this, and that's about it. I've heard a lot of folks say, you know, how critically acclaimed and stuff it is, but they are. It's a, it's a little overhyped, but it's kind of like the... It, it, it could be a, almost set in the same world as like Blade Runner. Or something along those lines. Like it's it's very similar to that, like Blade Runner ish, uh, Fifth Element ish kind of uh, world. Um, although a lot more darker, uh, sort of does the, the film noir kind of elements of Blade Runner way better than the original Blade Runner ever did. Um, and it's kind of cool, like uh, cool ideas behind it. Uh, interesting characters. There's a. a there's these like pleasure hotels in this universe that are AI driven and they, they like work really hard to keep you in the hotel. Uh, so they're, they're always like trying to please you and, and almost keep you like a captive in the, in the hotel. So no one goes to them anymore, but our main character sort of uses it as his hideaway. And the hotel's AI, uh, is t- takes on the personality of Edgar Allan Poe huh. and it's called the Raven hotel, which is, it's just really neat. Like there's AI in this and they're like sentient AI. Um, and sometimes you see the different AI from the different hotels and establishments have like a poker game and they talk with each other about how inferior the humans are and how they'd like to enslave them. <laughs> uh, 
but but the show isn't really about that. It's more about this. Um, there was that film with uh, Matt Damon and Jodie Foster. I think it was Oblivion. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah, there was sort of the same idea there, where like there's this really large lower class uh, that that lives down on the on the surface of the planets, and then all the upper class people they can afford to live up in the sky on these big towers that hold their mansions and stuff like that. And the whole central idea is that um, humanity discovered alien technology that uh, could allow them to download their consciousness into these little chips that they put in the back of their necks. This is the, and, this is the, the Blancom film, right? The, the Matt Damon movie? Uh, the Neil, Neil Blomkamp uh, film? I think, yeah, I think so, yeah. I don't think it's called Oblivion. I, oh, um, I'll think about it in two seconds. Go for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I oh I think Oblivion was the shitty Tom Cruise it one. It was the Tom Cruise one, yes. Yeah, that's the one I didn't like. Um but uh which came around came around the same time. Um but yeah, the, so they can, you know, you can download your consciousness into different bodies and like their genetic technology and stuff is so good now that they can just clone new bodies for themselves and you can just download your consciousness into a new body anytime you want. Um or you can actually just get bodies of criminals and stuff like that like they, they'll just remove their personalities or their chip personalities from those bodies and just sell the bodies to the highest bidder or whatever um so there's like a lot of really interesting uh interplay about what what it means to be human and um you know how useless the divisions between like sex and race and all that stuff are because there's one point where uh, a catholic family um, uh, one of the main characters brings back her long dead grandmother just by downloading her into the body of this like tattooed drug abusing guy. Um, and, and he actually attends like the day of the dead festival that they celebrate one night. And, and it's, it's just kind of funny. Like there's, there's a lot of neat little sight gags and jokes and stuff. It's, it's a very, very good series. It's, it's probably a little overhyped, but if you can get past that, if you know, if you're kind of wary of that sort of thing on Netflix, um, it's actually a, worth really checking out. It's super stylistic. It's super bloody. It's super sexy. Uh, it's got everything going for it. There's so much blood bukkake in this, <laughs> <laughs> in this fucking uh, thing. Like people are just constantly chopping motherfuckers up and getting blood spray all over their faces and other people's faces. And it's really good so far. I'm really enjoying it. I think if there's one sci-fi show that I, I keep folks keep telling me to get into, it's Mr. Robot that I need to watch Mr. Robot. Right. We'll see. With how, the, we'll see how that goes with the, with the kid with the bug eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was Elysium by the way. It's right at the tip of my tongue. Yes. Yeah. Which wasn't that bad. No, I liked it. I like, I like all blonde camp stuff though. Yeah. In uh-huh. Charlotte Copley too, I watched. Yeah, I watched yeah, him. I almost think he's in. I thought he was uh, great in that turn of an A team film. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Copley, they're doing basically a total one eighty from his character in um, uh, what was that fucking Jesus? I can't even remember that fucking film. Um, the one where he's in South Africa and he, um, and they have the alien D- District Nine. District Nine. There you go. Yeah. Ah, but I haven't watched anything past why I didn't say the last show, except for I, I rewatched The Departed again, and I, I still really dig that movie, and I, I think it speaks for itself. If you haven't seen it before, uh, go, go yeah, uh, no. check it out, you know. 
Yeah, no, it's a great film. I, I like the uh, the source material where it came from, the internal affairs. That, uh, yeah, it, it's really good too. But um, I, I think I prefer <laughs> Nicholson talking about. Did, did some girl get her period yet or something really disgusting he's a really <laughs> disgusting human in this fucking movie oh uh, yeah he's he's just playing Whitey Bulger and he's doing it way better than Johnny Depp did man oh man yeah that's real good but uh, I'm gonna stop that there and I'm gonna kick it to my friend Lee here and I'm gonna ask him like I said kind of a little last show so I'm gonna ask him uh, what's your beef sir for the beef bitches and mashed potatoes um I'm not too negative on much lately, which is a big surprise for me, but um, I, I do get a little tired of, you know, coming on Facebook and places like that and seeing the instant, like, cynical uh, run around, like, regarding things like the new Halloween trailer, oh, yeah. um, which I really enjoyed, by the way. It looks I, good. I, it looks good. I was really mm-hmm. surprised. It showed a little too much, but at the same time, it was, like, the perfect fan service trailer. It was, like... Everything I want in a Halloween movie, you just showed it to me. Like, so why would I not want to see how this movie actually turns out? I actually want to see how a pushing 70 years old Michael Myers sort of fares with uh, 60 something Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, it's like the old hand thing that the student has become the master. She is now, uh, she is now Dr. Loomis going after Michael, see? Right, and and the and it looks like the film is going to sort of like distill down all the best parts of like the last few films that came out that ignored the sort of middle films of the whole franchise, and rightly so, I I would say. Yeah. Um, and I mean, even ignoring part two, I could live with that. Uh, that's cool too. I I like that because honestly, that just goes back to the original sort of ideas that uh, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill had for the. A series in the first place that um, you know there wasn't you know Jamie Lee Curtis wasn't actually Michael Myers' sister. It was just it, it was more scary to to actually discover that no Michael Myers just became fixated on her just because no explanation for it. He's evil just because mm. no explanation for it. Instead of trying to make up thorn cult bullshit and all this other nonsense, <laughs> right? And and just oh. silly crap. That produces, and, that produces one of my favorite things in the world, though. Just just the part where they, where they throw <laughs> the, the rune stones on the ground and he starts counting them or something like he's Rain Man or something. You know? Yeah, that's fucking dumb. It's, like, it's so dumb. Here's the trap. Let's throw these stones on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, it, 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 just, it just sounds as silly as, like, you know, vampire lore, where if you throw, like, sand on the ground or, or or seeds or whatever the fuck it's supposed to be they're supposed to sit there and count them or you know whatever like it's just dumb stuff that and it, it wasn't very creative and i mean as long as we don't have any like over the hill rappers like doing kung fu on michael myers i'm gonna be happy it's so wrong it's so wrong but it's so right man <laughs> trick or treat motherfucker you know yeah i would have <laughs> i would have felt better if he got his ass stabbed to death yeah. i mean you know yeah, that's that's if true. if Michael Myers, yeah, if, if Michael Myers lured him into a sense of security by letting himself get have it get his ass kicked, then stab him to death, that'd be fine. But you know, I mean, I remember how many times that I, I've seen films where it says, you know, I I, I I don't need this, you know, why why fix it if it ain't broke? It, mm-hmm. it happens eighty percent of the time. 
but the twenty yeah. percent of the time to where they 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 can take that universe and build on it, and I think it's really mm-hmm. special. It's happened in a couple of remakes. I, I'm too young to to, to say. I, I didn't agree when that Night of the Living Dead remake was coming out, how much that was going to suck, because I was mm-hmm. about 10 or 12, 11 years old when they came out, and um, maybe younger than that, maybe nine. <laughs> but I watch it now, and I watch the original, and I prefer the remake, and to tell you the absolute truth, I mean, the first, one, the first one's classic, but there's a lot of merit to that remake. There is. Uh, there, there's a lot of good stuff in that remake, actually. Um there's, I don't, I don't know if I like it more. I like it just as much, but in a different way. I guess is probably the best way to, you know, be safe about talking about it. I guess. Well, no, but, but it's not the same thing because Romero was involved in the in the writing and the in the in the everything of the film. So it's not like you're, it's not even a dirty word. You know, it's the same. Yeah. You like one over the other. You know. Oh, although to be honest, Romero and and the gang were in there to finally get some money <laughs> from what I did the Living Dead. Yes. <laughs> But you know, but, the, uh, sometimes you get like the more like in the case of that one, you get more solid acting. They were very inexperienced mm-hmm. in that first one, but you get powerhouses like Tom Towles giving a great performance, and Tony yep. Todd giving a great performance, and giving Barbara some balls. And I, I love to talk to Patricia Tallman one day, just about yeah. her stunt work and that that particular role. You know. Oh yeah, no, Tallman's great in that role, and I mean that that's way better than just the you know. Uh, Judith Day. Johnny uh, has the keys. Yeah, wilting flower kind of thing. <laughs> it's like it's so bad. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that a lot. Like honestly, there's plenty of really good remakes and you know revisions and 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 shit of, of films out there. Like I really I prefer the Hills has uh, Hills have eyes remake to the original. Honestly, it's a lot more action packed. You know. Mm-hmm. As far as the second, the sequel goes, the original one, there's there's no psychic dog in that movie though, so that kind of hurts it a little bit. You know? <laughs> I, I would have loved to see how they could have pulled that off if they had gone that ballsy and did that. I mean, they had military people doing like a test thing in there. They could have made some sci-fi bullshit of like a, a you know, a, a, a dog that uh, could read minds or something. Who knows? But yeah, hey, I think Oliver Queen needs a dog on Arrow, so that dog can have flashbacks too. And then you'll have five years of flashbacks from the dog, too, you know. (laughs) I'm Rover Queen. (laughs) And I live in Star City. Yeah, you you could spit them off. I peed on that wall five years ago. I peed on that wall five years ago. Every city tells a story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, man. But, yeah, tonight (laughs) we're here to talk about two films. That are connected in a really special way. Uh, when, but they they both involve Christopher Reeve. Um, long ago, when um, uh, the 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 Wonderkind, the Wunderkind, uh, in Yoram, uh, bought the rights to the Superman the Superman series from the Solkinds. Yep. They they uh, wanted to make another one in, in Superman Four: The Quest for Peace, and uh, of course. And the first three had Christopher Reeve in the 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 Superman that most of us know. I mean. George yeah. Reeves is great. I even like Brandon Routh. Handy Cavill, not so much. Mm-hmm. But this is the one that, that we know. This is the one that, that everybody knows. So they had to get him back. And how did they get him back? They Christopher Reeve basically had him by the balls and said, okay, if you want me to play this role that I don't want to play anymore, you're going to greenlit this movie called Street Smart, 
that, that you know, there's been a project apparently he's been trying to get the ground for a long time. So, naturally, you know, because they have so many more funds from other films that they were making that they stole and they funneled money through, they right. said, okay, let, let's, let, let's let you make this movie. And I, I think, and I, and I know I can't speak for Lee all the way yet, but I, I, I think they, they made a good decision in Street Smart, although it was a commercial failure, I think. And yeah. I, but um, we'll get into that one first. Uh, Street Smart, right from the trailer. I could get you an interview with a Times Square pimp. In 2,000 words, I am going to look into this man's skull. Jonathan Fisher is a reporter with a deadline. Why is it I can't get anybody to talk to me out here? Look, I gotta go. He's about to get a dangerous idea. This is fantastic. Where'd you get all this stuff? Easy. You made it up. Now he's crossing the line between fact and fiction to Tyrone. And his lie has landed him in the middle of a murder investigation. Bail is set at $250,000. Mr. Smalls can make bail. Make him an expert on you. I want everybody to know he wrote that story about you. Jonathan Fisher. Jonathan, right, right, right. I will show you the streets, brother. Jonathan Fisher has a lot to learn. I take the bread. Hey, take it easy. Yeah? Absolutely no one refuses to comply with my subpoenas or withholds evidence from my court. Remove the prisoner. He thinks he's tough enough. You're going to write them notes that everybody's been asking for. But then you're going to say that on the day that that dude bought it, you and I were in Rockway somewhere having a hot dog. If you tamper with evidence, if I even think you're tampering with evidence, I'm going to put you so far away you won't even remember what the streets look like. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get you. But he better wise up fast. Because there's only one way to survive on the streets. Out of blow your brains out right now. I'm dead. You're dead. Christopher Reeves, Morgan Freeman, Street Smart. Street Smart from 1987. They're both from 1987. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, New York journalist lies when he is, his fake story about a pimp describes a real pimp up for murder. It's a real Rick Ross situation here, people. Uh, this stars uh, Christopher Reeve, uh, a very sexy Kathy Baker, Mimi Rod- yeah. a very stupid Mimi Rogers. Uh, she's pretty dumb in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, first role for Morgan Freeman as Fast Black. Uh, Anna-, Anna Marie Hornsford, you see a lot of stuff. Most uh, you guys may know her as Craig's mama from the Friday series, but she's been right. she's been in a ton. Um. Damn, you want to take the lead on this one? I, I, I dug it. I want to know what you think about the Lee. I like this a lot. I was really surprised by this. Um, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say it's a perfect film, but um, for a late period canon film and to be like this goddamn fucking good, uh, I was more than pleasantly surprised with it. Like, um, it feels like there's two films going on in this film. Um I mean, it, it starts out pretty typical. Like you instantly know that this movie is about the streets in the 1980s because you have shitty sax music playing during the credits. Naturally, uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> and it immediately gets into like the really boring part of this. And like honestly, as much as I like Christopher Reeve, he doesn't even need to be in this film. Like his character should be 
like a side character in the story of uh, this hooker and her pimp, because this is the most interesting part of this whole film. And you're just watch Morgan Freeman. He just runs away with this fucking film, man. Like he he apparently he just he must have read the script and went hot dog. This is like probably the best thing I've read in a long time. And I need to just just tear a fucking chunk out of this and just chew the scenery and eat this thing up. And man, does he do it with just fucking glee, man. He's scarier than I've ever seen, like Samuel L. Jackson in something like (laughs) Morgan Freeman is like legit scary in this film. Well, I think it's because Samuel L. Jackson is loud all the time. Yeah. To whereas Morgan Freeman is fat, his name is Fast Black in this movie. That's that's his pimp nickname in this movie. <laughs> it's so smooth and like so cool. And all of a sudden he's breaking that you who you who bottle, gonna stab him in the neck with it. You know, it's like yeah. so that that makes it more terrifying that he this is a, this is his very first role and he was nominated for best supporting actor for his mm-hmm. very first film. Yeah, and I mean he deserves every bit of it, man. Like he and um, I mean. I was thinking we we're going to talk about Superman first, so uh, I was going to mention he, he's basically got nuclear, nuclear man's uh, fucking fingernails here. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a neat little affection to his character where he's got like long nails. He doesn't just have the coke spoon or whatever. He's got like the whole fucking array here, and he's like picking his teeth with his nails all the time. Uh, like you said, he's drinking uh, yoo-hoo's. I, di- I didn't know what. Sh- this must be my like sheltered Canadian ish is whatever but i didn't know like chocolate soda was an actual thing <laughs> it's, it's not soda it's like i wouldn't even call it milk either it's more like a like a milk drink it right. it, re- it resembles milk and it may be like partially milk but you who is like a chocolate drink it's it's, okay. it's not it's not carbonated at all oh okay okay yeah that, that had me a little confused but um yeah i i really enjoyed this christopher reeves uh or christopher reeve I really like Christopher Reeve, but if I'm going to be honest about him, he has like maybe one or two modes as far as acting goes. And those are like one or two things he does really well. And then outside of that, I kind of feel like he doesn't have much. But here he's like note perfect in this as just the squarest white dude you can think of who gets in over his head by doing something bad that he shouldn't have done. And man, does he. Yeah, and and he, I mean, and he's a perfect foil for Freeman here, who's just scary. Like he's scary when he's silent. He's scary when he gets bombastic. He's scary when he's holding the broken YooHoo bottle up against a hooker's neck. When he's holding uh, scissors and threatening to cut off a hooker's nose. Man, yeah, like man, it was it, it was a big surprise too, because like for f- the first half of this film, you're like, is this a canon film? Because there's there's nothing canonish really happening here. Like, sure, you've got hookers and pimps, but no one's been raped. And then we're like forty minutes into the film. Uh, Charles Bronson hasn't showed up. Um, no one's really been murdered or anything. But then you get to like the final act of this, and then it starts. Oh yeah, this is a canon film. All of a sudden, it's like he's threatening the to chop someone's nose off and poke her eyes out with scissors uh his his lackey stabs christopher reeve uh his girlfriend like just casually stabs her in, in the stomach uh and they use it as a plot plot device for them to get back together again you know right 
So what are you doing? <laughs> just getting stabbed at the fruit market. That's all, you know. It, yeah, if I were, if I was, if I was her, I'd stay the fuck away from Christopher Reeve yeah. because. <laughs> What's he do? Like, first he gets her and in, in, puts her in danger by having her, like, sort of help him with his story by, hey, go meet these people. <laughs> she's totally an enabler, though, because she's like, you know, like, towards the beginning, like, when he's at first in the story, she's like, this is going to be really good for you, and yada, yeah. yada, shit, shit. It's like, oh, by the way, can I go out with you one night and look at this story? And then <laughs> she just basically lets herself, you know, be picked up by this Puerto Rican pimp. Yeah. And it, she she wonders why something bad happens to her. It's like no, <laughs> you're hanging out with some hardcore people, milk toast white Mimi Rogers. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, it's 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 so bizarre because again, like I said, this feels like there's like two films here. Like there's this sort of slightly funny 1980s satire of journalistic integrity and ethics sort of being done. But then you have this like hardcore street movie that's not too far removed from something like Spike Lee would be doing, uh, like a couple years later, right? Well, I thought it was Training Day. Like it's the guy that made. Oh, I have this in my notes. Yeah, it's, it's basically an early version of Training Day. <laughs> yeah, whoever made Training Day, I forget who that was, but they saw this movie. And Wasn't that uh, Anton Fuqua? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. One of the made those those Equalizer movies now and stuff. Oh yeah, God, I don't. I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of those Equalizer movies. They're fair. They're not the worst thing you're gonna watch, you know, as far as that goes. But yeah, it's 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 just when it's just when he like it's the suspension of disbelief that he can time all this stuff out in his head and then just pull it off in like split seconds. Like it's like I never saw um, what's his name Edward Woodward or whatever in the in the TV series do anything like that. So it was it was just kind of a disconnect for me, but. Uh, Mm. But enough about the equalizer. Let's get, get the hey, fuck go, back to this film. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, it, sometimes this becomes a bit of a comedy. Like that whole party montage where he like he brings Fast Black and and uh, uh, Punchy, the, the the hooker Punchy. Oh, Punchy. To party. That's a terrible name for a hooker, by the way. You know, it is. But she, oh, man. She, she should have, she should have more visible bruises than she is Punchy. You know. Right. <laughs> but she is so hot, man. She is so hot. And uh, I was trying to place where I'd seen her before. And I was like, oh, yeah, she's the uh, sex-starved uh, neighbor in Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, she few- is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's so good. Like, I can't believe she's not a bigger star. I was looking at her IMDb, and it's like she's been in everything. And, man, she's so good in this. Like, again, this should be her story trying to escape Fast Black is what it should be like that's the real cool story in here that that really would like serious like academy award winning kind of uh thing but here it's just it's the side plot to christopher reeve and his story isn't all that interesting it's just like yeah i kind of want you to get thrown in jail and be abused for being a scumbag and making up the story and getting people killed (laughs) like what the fuck dude yeah, it, 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 the, the fact that he made up, like, he, he couldn't find anything, so he wrote this story. He worked for the New Yorker people, and he needed mm-hmm. to make this story for... I, I had to look this up to where I've seen his boss from. He plays Warden William Smithers from Demolition Man. Right. I'm sure he's been in more things, but I've always remembered from that movie. In a, and that, that that's like a canon movie that was made after canon died, yes, basically. <laughs> indeed. Yeah. That would have totally been in the canon range for sure. 
Mm-hmm. And they would have threw money at it, and, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh. But, yeah, no, uh, I, I liked a lot in this. Like, the performances are great. Uh, there's a really good half a fucking amazing movie in this, and then the other half of the movie is good enough. You know, it doesn't detract from the really cool stuff. I kind of like that the conclusion of this um, oh, doesn't nice. turn into like your your typical kind of like, oh, Christopher Reeve is in a fight with Morgan Freeman. No, it's more like a sort of a mental chess game kind of thing where uh, Christopher Reeve kind of sets Morgan Freeman up. I mean, he doesn't even really set Morgan Freeman no, up. It just it's so sort convoluted. Of it just yeah. sort of happens. It happenstance that he scared the life into to his partner, the, the, the guy that's with him all the time, who, whose name escapes me. But um, yeah. but he, this this is like his right-hand man that he was going to convince Morgan Freeman that he was going into business on his own by yeah. him collecting money from one of his one of his uh, one of his hoes. And, and on video, you know, and, and inadvertently. So the end of the movie is it's it's ridiculous because the whole time, Fast Black is being indicted for 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 very smoothly murdering one of one of the Johns. I, I never seen somebody kill somebody so smooth in all my life. He does like a, <laughs> he does like a Michael Jackson kick to the guy's face, and uh, yeah, and it it, <laughs> it it induces a heart attack. Yes. Yeah. And it. He, he gets off by basically lying on, on the stand for Fast Black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a- after he basically led that kid to his own death, this 20-year-old kid to his own death, and Fast Black's just getting out, get, coming out of the courthouse, and he's just coming out of the courthouse, and then the lawyer's saying, you, you, you know this is going to stick, and we're going to go down for this. Well, what happens next? It's not <laughs> like he's going to escape Fast Black scot-free. No. Fast Black will fuck up Christopher Reeve. Yeah, it, it it almost feels like um, there was a little bit of like producer kind of like, you know, we got to have some squibs going off here. Uh, <laughs> like like, listen, Christopher, you know, we know this is your little pet project. That's that's really sweet, Christopher. That that's really good. It's your pet project, but we got to have some squibs going off here, man. We need some people to die, okay? Well, there's no shootout in the script. Well, could maybe we could have you know like the black guy get shot? Oh, maybe. you know you you know Manahamada that shit in the script real fast, you know. <laughs> you need to beat the script up, yes, you know. Yes, <laughs> you need to open up uh, Morgan Freeman's chest with a hole the size of a fist. Oh man, because <laughs> that, that's a great that's a great squib. That's <laughs> that that is a good shot. Like way he dies and everything. Like it's as convoluted as it is. That's a payoff. That's a payoff. <laughs> you mentioned that party scene, and I love that party scene probably more than any other scene in the movie because there's a whole conversation where he's in the car and he's telling him, oh, "You know what I? You know what I can get out of those one of those news bitches? All these dudes want to <laughs> fuck those news bitches." And when he's actually talking to the news ladies about being prostitutes, it's just like priceless. It is almost too much, but I can't stand it. You know, <laughs> he's in there fucking. He's in there at this fucking very white party, just recruiting whores at this party. <laughs> oh, there, there, there is the best soundbite ever, and especially in sort of um, current uh, news surrounding Morgan Freeman, where if someone would want to like steal the soundbite and use it against him with you know the allegations against him, mm-hmm. there's this part where he's talking to one of the women in the in the party and says, uh, paraphrasing here. You know, you have the prettiest titties I've ever seen. 
<laughs> like that's 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 about accurate. I, I think that was about accurate to the line, but. Yeah. <laughs> so if you didn't believe Morgan Freeman was a piece of shit, just watch Street Smart. You may you may be a believer. You know, once you see that that open shirt and him uh, try to kill somebody with a Yuhu bottle, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yuhu is delicious. It should not be wasted, you know. And uh, much like I just Kathy, wish we... much like Kathy Baker, who you know, because you know, <laughs> you know, there's that scene where he, he's basically trying to get a story out of her about her first sexual encounter as a prostitute. Right. But she's taken off her clothes the whole time, mm-hmm. and he's still so stupid that he doesn't think that like he's not going to have sex with the prostitute. She, she literally has to grab his junk before he gets the fucking clue. Like, and that Mimi Rogers is so stupid to think that he wouldn't go, he wouldn't accidentally get like a handy or a blowjob while doing this mm-hmm. story. Yeah. <laughs> who's really who's the real dumbass here? It's got it's got to be her. So Mimi Rogers is is like the the dumbest thing in this fucking movie thinking that while he's out there hanging out with hookers and johns and pimps, that he might, right. not, he, might accident, he might not accidentally get a piece while he's out there doing his investigative reporting. Yeah, there, there's the, the only the only character in this I have, have any sympathy for is, uh, is Punchy. Punchy, like, that's, that's she's, it. Yeah, she's the only innocent in this entire thing. Like, she's, she's the, you know, she's quote-unquote the cliched hooker with a heart of gold, but she's, like, Outside of her and Morgan Freeman, she's the you know the, they're the only three dimensional characters really in this film, mm-hmm. and she's the one everyone should be behind. And again, like I say, this should be her story. This should be her at the end, persevering and escaping fast black somehow. You know, it it should be like a Jackie Brown thing where she uses her brain yes. to outwit the guys going after her. Like that would be amazing, and that kind of makes me think this movie should be remade. But then again, we have Jackie Brown, so it kind of mm-hmm. already was. <laughs> because yeah, Jackie Brown was a, never a hooker like for, for as long as, as she claimed she was. She didn't say how long it was, but you knew she'd been on the streets for a long time. And, yeah, uh, she was just doing more drug running, so, you know. Yeah. And I, but I mean, you know, Samuel L. Jackson as Ordell Roby and Jackie Brown. Yes. That's, that's the closest he gets to approaching like the power of Freeman's performance here. Like it, it's kind of a, it's almost a carbon copy in a certain way. Like it, it's just a weird, like adjacently parallel kind of thing. That is one of the only ones where he did like that quiet, cool, mean thing. It, it was Jackie Brown. Everything else is just mm-hmm. loud and whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, this film for me though, I, it, it was a it was a big surprise. I, I I didn't know if it was gonna be any good or not. I only heard it mentioned, like in like different YouTube videos, and of course on the Canon doc, that they they allowed him to make this movie so he'd make Superman four. And um, you know, with the, I'm never sure we're gonna get deep into Superman four next about, you know how it's 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 so bad that it's good and it, it kind of is, but yeah. to, to to get to there we, we got this. And I'm not really disappointed that this is, was the thing, the thing that got lifted off the ground, no pun intended, but by him having to go play Superman again. I think that he, she, he's, he's dead now, but yeah. I'd imagine if I, were, if I were to talk to him today, I, I would hope he would be proud of this, even though it was a commercial failure. Cause he, he should, yeah, like the budget was $6 million, it only made like $1.1 million or something. And uh, of course, you know the the the, the 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 cousins were saving money there because this is not filmed in New York City. This is filmed in Montreal, and uh, right. 
I'm they didn't they, promote. I'm sorry. They didn't ahead. promote it. No, they didn't promote they, it. They, they didn't promote the hell out of this. Like, like they would. They, they tried to do Superman four, and uh, and um, that, that's that's shameful because this is '87. This is the time where you got, you know, in the time where you got films like this. This is the same year New Jack City came out, I think. Or maybe two years later, New Jack City came out. Yeah, this this is a hit of its time. Like, it really is. Like, this is actually a hit of all those, like, really amazing movies in the 90s and late 80s that sort of kick, kicked off that kind of, like, urban kind of idea. Like, uh, even, like, you know, um, it was, King it was, of Newt. It, it was very cartoonish until films like this started to come out, though. Right. Like your only real vision of the ghetto was 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 breaking and Beat Street, so you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. This this is definitely like a little bit. Uh, if more people had seen this at the time, I think this would be a a lot more well regarded and like sort of heralded by people. But it, it's it's just kind of it's it's kind of sadly uh, overlooked film like pe- like, and I mean I'm not going to say Spike Lee doesn't deserve credit because no, he really does really for does. some of his of his early films, but still this deserves to be right up there in the conversation with a lot of Spike Lee's early stuff. Um, I was looking at the director's filmography and uh, he made Scarecrow from '73 with a uh, Hackman and Pacino, and I, I'd recommend that yep. film to anybody. So. Um, also, Panic in Needle Park, I, I believe. I haven't seen that one yet. Is that good? It's good, yeah. I've only seen a couple. I've, I've seen Honeysuckle Rose because uh, Willie Nelson. And um, I think yeah. I think I own No Small Affair with, with, with John Cryer, but I, have, I haven't watched it. It's, it's just kind of there still. Oh, yeah. But uh, Jerry, Jerry Schatzberg is the director, and uh, yeah, it's good, good stuff in there. Scarecrow especially. I love Scarecrow so much. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about it for this one. Anything else you'd like to say about this one, and what would you give a 1 to 10, Lee? Uh, the only other thing I'd say is just fucking watch it. Find it and watch it. Um, if, if you're looking for, like, sort of older uh, hidden gems, and, you know, you know, if you're if you're a movie geek who's really, like, sort of craving those sort of things, this is something to really sort of look for and, and latch on to uh especially just for um uh what, what's her name uh kathy ward and morgan freeman's performances uh kathy because baker. kathy baker there we go sorry um it, it's great like it, it it's a real kind of uh head turner when, when you see that especially in this film that you know, it's probably just overlooked by most people because they say, oh, yeah, late canon film. Fuck that shit. But no, this is really great stuff. Uh, it really stands out and it wasn't given its uh, proper due and it's in its time. But uh, find it. Um, as for one out of ten, I would sit this squarely at about a seven mm-hmm. because j- just because like th- there is it, it, it does feel a little schi- schizophrenic where there's almost another movie going on that's quite not as good but when you get to like just the the hooker and pimp stuff it's amazing and just just go for it yeah I'm right through with, with you with that seven i i really enjoyed myself watching it and uh i really enjoyed the 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 evolution of um morgan freeman as as an actor he, just coming out of the gate, you know, with this movie. Right. And, you know, people probably still 
fresh in their brain from watching him on the Electric Company all, all like not, not too many years before, and they're like, "Yeah, it's like what? He's playing this fucking pimp who's gonna stab a hooker with scissors, and you know." And and then he'd go on to yeah, then he'd go on to just play the wise black man for the almost the rest of his career. Oh yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> you get typecast, and he is not typecast here at all. He's he, he's, he's he's straight from public television on the streets of. Montreal, Canada. You know, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure the I'm sure the hookers are very nice, but you know, whatever. You know, uh, Mon- Montreal is known for its quality hookers. I'm sure they're very polite too. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's... Well, it's in Montreal. I don't think they're probably that polite, but <laughs> that's just that's just probably my uh, in, innate uh, Anglophone bigotry against French Canada. <laughs> Well, I was I'm kidding about that, by the way. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm just having a good laugh, man. <laughs> <laughs> After this, we're going to talk about the film that became the that became of this, uh, where everybody came back for miraculously. Uh, so we'll talk about that too. Uh, Superman Four: The Quest for Peace. Right after this. You walk, you talk, you're who you be. 
the greatest hope against the threat of nuclear war is Superman. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. The greatest threat to Superman is Lex Luthor. Smarter than I thought. We can make the world safe for war profits. He's created the ultimate weapon to annihilate the Man of Steel. You risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Nobody wants war. I just want to keep the threat alive. Dude of Steel, where are you going to get it? You know you're a workaholic. Let's just stop and smell the roses, huh? Superman 4, Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Jackie Cooper, John Cryer, with Mariel Hemingway and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Superman 4, his most important adventure, the quest for peace. Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. Uh, your cheapo plot synopsis is this. The Man of Steel crusades for nuclear disarmament, disarmament and meets Lex Luthor's latest creation, Nuclear Man. Uh, this stars your regular Superman cast from these other films. Chris Reeve back as Supes. Lex Luthor, played by Gene Hackman, of course. <laughs> it, says, yep. it says voice. Yeah, yeah, we'll get into why it says voice, okay? Yeah. Jackie Cooper as Perry White, Mark McClure coming back for a fifth go around as Jimmy Olsen. <laughs> Boy reporter at age forty-five. Yes. <laughs> John Cryer as Lenny Luther. There's, there's. Oh, don't forget Meryl Hemingway as Lacey Warfield and the late Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Wow, Jim Broadbent shows up in this movie. I had no idea. I like that actor. I yeah, like a lot yeah. of this film though. But we're, we'll get into this though. But um, <laughs> I'll take the lead on this one, I guess. Um. <laughs> Superman 4 is, uh, this is going to sound very sinful, but it's probably the very first Superman film that I've seen as a child, okay? But full, mm-hmm. full disclosure, and, you know, you would think that that would strain you away from the series by not believing a man can fly because they just keep using the same effect shot over and over and over again. <laughs> but as a child, I really didn't give a shit because, you know, it was the same as Superman... And, you know, I watched him on Super Friends and stuff like that. I've had I had the toys and you know whatever. It was in the Superman film and it was the only one that I knew at the time. And boy was I surprised how much better even even Superman three is, is kind of had this charm to it. But Superman one and two are definitely better than this movie. So you have you have Superman. It's nineteen. It's 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 it's, it's the Cold War. You know. So what do you what do you do with this character? And uh, you say, you know, Superman's going to halt war by taking all the nukes from all these different countries that are superpowers and throw them in the sun mm-hmm. without these without these uh, countries having any problem with that whatsoever. Yeah, that's a stretch. <laughs> it is a stretch, yes. And uh, <laughs> all because but, one one little sh- – we talk about, I talk about shitty kids throughout the whole other film – one little shitty kid said, you know what? I'm going to call Superman, and he's going to take care of everything, people. You know? Yeah. Um, in the meantime, you know, you got, you got Lex Luthor, who get, who gets sprung from a chain gang 
by his smooth-talking, cool-car-riding nephew, Lenny Luther, played by John Cryer, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's, who's wardrobe outshines acting performance in this film. And, uh, he's like Ducky Dale of Ducky Dale had leather pants and, like, a like a pompadour haircut, you know? Yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of got, like, a John Seltzer thing going on. <laughs> Stray Cats or whatever, you know? But, you know, he's, he's about seven years too late yeah. <laughs> for that look, but whatever. So they they devise they, they devise a plan because somehow on the chain gang Lex found out that a strand of hair was being displayed at a museum, and then him and Lenny are gonna go steal it to 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 make some genetic goo of their own from Superman's DNA, and have it hurled into a sun with a nuke, to make their very own Superman, which is Nuclear Man, who's played by I didn't mention this before. Ex Chippendales dancer Mark Pillow, right? And and voice, but the voice part why it says voice on the uh, Gene Hackman, and I just found this out today just by watching YouTube videos. I didn't put two and two together. Yeah. The, the the line there's a line in the film where he goes, "Hey, you sound like me." He goes, "No, you sound like me." It's just yeah. a gravelly Gene Hackman in the recording mm-hmm. studio, overdubbing this big dumb blonde guy. They probably they probably. Bro- Gene Hackman back into the studio to do uh, voiceover stuff like five months later and Gene Hackman's probably like, what the fuck am I doing again? (laughs) He probably was like, like, listen you dumb fucks, I just made Hoosiers. How much you gonna pay me again? You know? I I don't need this. The studio is gonna fucking fall under anyway. Like, goddamn. (laughs) It's like, how much to to go with the fucking thing? Oh, Two million? Sure, I'll do it. You know, no one, no one, Madame and Yoram, they probably paid him a whole lot of money just to do voiceover work for this fucking nuclear nuclear man. Yeah, un- unlike most stars, Gene Hackman's not a guy you don't fucking give a bad check to, so. <laughs> so Nuclear Man comes after being born in, in outer space, you know, fetus and all. Yeah. And, he, and he's powered by the sun. But also must be charged by the sun too, from what I gather. Yeah, it's a pretty, pretty uh, a convenient weakness right there. It's a pretty yeah, that might come back later in the plot. Yeah, it, 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 and it does. Oh my god, you know, this isn't the quest for peace. This is the quest for plot convenience. Yes. Is, is what this is. It's like a Superman strong enough to literally move the moon. Apparently, he is. You know, moving the moon. Mm, well, depends on the scene. Uh, I'll get more into that later, but yeah, the, you know, the, just, <laughs> I, I should, I, I should mention though, before, before you go on, uh, apologize. Um, I really liked how, what the genetic material for nuclear man was where, uh, it was like this sort of like the fetal sack looked like an large wet fortune cookie. And then they spooned a bunch of caviar into it. Like, <laughs> My favorite thing in the whole movie, almost, is when they put that little piece of cloth inside the box. Yeah. Supposedly there's a computer inside the box that's going to genetically weave uh, enough enough outfit for it to fit him once he's fully yeah. grown. It's like you think this, this computer inside this box would explode on impact once it hits the sun. You would think that Lex Luthor would sell this fucking computer and own the world by becoming Bill Gates before Bill Gates became Bill Gates. 
So that, that there's a lot of a lot of what have yous in this movie, and it, that's what makes it kind of wonderful. And uh, mm-hmm. one of which is how can a human being fly in space, not only but breathe, breathing oxygen, but not burn up in the atmosphere? Right. You know? I can see the superhumans not burning up in the atmosphere, but but you, you have a, a, a muscle bound Mark Pillow of nuclear man kidnap Muriel Hemingway and fly her into space, and she's still screaming and not burning up in the atmosphere. You know, I like I like how she, I like how um, <laughs> she has to hold on to Mark Pillow so she because the movie makes you think if she would let go, she would fall directly down if she wasn't holding on to him, but she's in space, which it, it just makes no sense. Like, I, I think the, I think the comics and like the cartoons kind of explain that Superman can do some sort of weird, like oxygen bubble or something which, you know, but of course they don't explain that in this film. They don't say that at all. It's yeah, just right. like a given, Oh, I can fly in space with Superman. I can also fly in space with Nuclear Man because he's a genetic clone, basically, of Superman. But what happens if I fall off of Nuclear Man in that 30 seconds or so? Shouldn't I just die? <laughs> kind of, yes. You would even yeah. have to. Or float in space like you were Yondu just dying in space in, in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a much more entertaining scene than him stomping into him into the moon, Yeah, you know. To, to go to go yeah. collect her, you know, like, yep, hey, you stay here, soups. I'm gonna go get this blonde girl that I fell in love with in the deleted scene, okay? Yeah, because <laughs> I watched all of those motherfuckers, and let me tell you, there's 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 some good ones in there. That are so just... you saw you saw the stuff with the first Nuclear Man, the which was like a plot. Nuclear Man, yes, yeah, which was a plot that was basically cut out of the film, because <laughs> like, they, they they show it in the film. That okay, we we had a, we had a failed attempt at this, and this mm-hmm. this guy, if you ever seen it before, basically him and Clark and and, and Mary, Mariel Hemingway go to a nightclub, and when they come yeah. outside, this this guy's out here to start trouble, and he looks like how do I explain this? He looks like a game show host with a really bad burnt up fade. I, and he, and this is supposed mm-hmm. to be your, your your nuclear man, their failed attempt, and. Yeah, the 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 idea was they were they were going for like slightly like bizarro Superman look is is kind of what they were the intention was in the writing I guess but it doesn't really pull off on screen. (laughs) No, it looks it looks really heinous and but um the 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 stuff that's in the film itself you you got the whole side plot of the Daily Planet being taken over by this huge conglomerate Mm -hmm. and of course you know Perry White is naturally upset with that and. So he's easy to go find an alternate way, and he he does. Where were the if you watched it, see the movie, which it's it's thirty years old or something. So if you haven't seen the yeah. film, he finds private investors and they take over the planet. So their sleazy sleazeball uh, guy can't make his shit stories for their paper anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that that whole plot with the the, the the supposed love triangle, and then of course. Oh. Let's go jump off the roof and just show you I'm Superman again, and let me kiss you to make you forget again, and you know. Oh, oh! Don't even get me started on that. That that makes Superman look like the biggest abusive jerk ever. Like he keeps jerking poor Lewis or uh, Lois around, man. Like he he every once in a while, whenever it sort of suits him, he just like. I'm going to show Lois that I'm Superman. And then I'm going to fuck her. 
and then I'm going to make her forget I'm Superman. Like, dude, <laughs> that's not... That's not cool. That's not even cool in 1980s. That's, that's <laughs> let alone now. Is that some weird amnesia kink that I don't know about, you know? And, I mean, that makes him even look like a bigger piece of shit, because if he has the power to make people forget stuff, then he could have erased Lex Luthor's mind long ago, because apparently he has no qualms with doing it to anybody. So why doesn't he just, like, get rid of Lex Luthor at the very first Superman Problem solved. Put the, put, you don't even put, have a sequel. He'll put them lips on her, man, and they put them lips on Lex Luthor, and they'll be like their first male kiss together in the, the Superman <laughs> film. But they, they all, all, no, go, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say all the all the uh, all the uh, fan slash fiction would be uh, put on screen. Okay, there you go. Yeah, there you go, man. It's, that's what everybody wants to see, right? Him, mm-hmm. him making out with Lex Luthor, you know. Uh, but they they want Michael Rosenbaum, Lex Luthor, and uh, Dreamy, uh, what's his name from Smallville? Tom that, that's the, yeah, yeah, that's what they want. <laughs> Which Lucifer got rescued by Netflix, so there, there's that. So Tom Welling's still working. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, good. Um, what, what else is oh, the, the, the the whole idea of Lois Lane in this movie is bastardized. To where oh. the, the whole the whole first two movies, she's this resourceful, you know, plucky reporter like 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 Lois Lane should be. In this film, it's like, oh, God, I hope I don't burn the duck, you know, and shit like yeah. that. And She's a comedy third wheel in a love triangle, and she has no character in this film. Like, actually, actually, like, the whole returning supporting cast, like Jimmy Olsen, Perry bastard. White, all of them, they have nothing in this film. <laughs> that poor Mark McClure, he just, yeah. he was in Supergirl, too, so he's in five of these fucking movies, you know. Yeah, this movie totally ignores Supergirl. It's just like that never happened. Who well, I heard that, that uh, they offered Christopher Reeve a cameo in that movie, and he refused that too. But I'm, yeah, I'm, he refused. You, you he got, refused that. <laughs> you got notes, dude. I'm, I'm gonna let you go off now. Go ahead, sir. He refused that for this film. <laughs> no, like I, I and I understand that apparently there there's some like talk that maybe Christopher Reeve got a bit a bit of a big head you know, for a little while where he was a little difficult to work with. And he was like, no, I'm going to make my Superman movie. Fuck all you people. And yeah, well, this is a Superman movie you made, Chris, and it's not that good. Uh, It's a lot of fun, but it's not that good. But yeah, like, man, there's so many weird things in this. Like it's like I said, it's the sort of plot convenience. The quest for plot convenience is basically what it should be subtitled because whenever the script calls for some sort of convenient contrivance. It'll just do it. Like first off Superman's strand of hair can hold up to like what thousand pounds or something. It's holding there like a ton or something like that. And you can just come along and cut it with like wire cutters or bolt cutters. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, Superman could have beat nuclear man at any time, honestly. Um, like, there's a really critical weakness in nuclear man's uh, sort of uh, person here where if he's not in direct sunlight, he's basically just, he just shuts down like a fucking robot. That they, 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 he knew nothing about until yeah. he decided to move them, make an eclipse himself. It's like, you know, <laughs> and then Lex what? is like, well, how'd you figure it out? Well, let me tell you about secret, simple science there, Lex. Yada, 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 yada. Like, no. Yeah. You had no but, idea this guy didn't work in the shade. You had no idea at all, you know. But, I mean, once he found out 
all it took was taking his cape and dra- draping it over nuclear man. And he would, he would have fell from the sky. Um, he could have gotten like a industrial tub of sunscreen and put it on nuclear man. That might've probably just shut him down for good. Um, thank there's you, the you, copper tone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, man, would that be a great fucking, uh, commercial for copper tone that they, they should have sponsored this shit. Um, there's differences in the level of Superman's powers, depending on the scene. Um, in one scene, he's able to cut a mountain in half and use the mountain as a stopper for a volcano and lift it easily without any struggle at all. But he has to struggle to stop the Statue of Liberty from falling and crushing a bunch of people on the streets. So, you know, it's it's like the movie moves by fast enough where it's like, you can forget this. You can forgive this. But at the same time, everything in this is like a plot contrivance right up to the point where Superman is uh, radioactively poisoned by being like scraped by nuclear man's nails. Well, it was it was it was explained in about five seconds by by Lex Luthor, his grand plan, one of which mm -hmm. was scratching Superman and making making him sick, which I guess I guess he's he's um, allergic to to nuclear power. I, I don't know. That's that's a plot thing. It's it, it's weird because okay, so he pulls this uh, magic Kryptonian crystal out of his uh, his uh, spaceship that he came in as a baby. That's under the uh, barn in the in the old uh, in the old uh, Kent farm. Um, first off, all that shit in that spaceship looks like kryptonite. Mm-hmm. So why is that not making him sick? Uh, the crystal he pulls out looks like kryptonite, and I mean it's green. If 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 you didn't want people to think it's kryptonite, then you wouldn't make it green. So why is that not making him sick? And sure, it brings him back to life after being scratched by a nuclear man. So couldn't and he's only got one use on it too. Like the film states, you can only use this once, Kal-El, and and you'll heal yourself and be reborn or whatever. So, uh, could Nuclear Man just scratch him again? Yeah, <laughs> like, you would think so. I, mean, you know, I imagine once he saw his Lee press on nails once, you know, again, he, hmm. he would do his best to avoid them, I guess. Yeah. But, I mean, man, um, there, I mean, if, if you want to be a dick like me and overanalyze this movie, oh, you there's can. a lot of, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that's going to make you go, like, fuck this movie. But... I will say I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> a lot of films are guilty of that, though, like just giving them new powers. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the, yeah. the, does it look stupid when Superman repairs the Great Wall of China with his with his eye? Oh my god! It looks really stupid. But there's a lot there's <laughs> a lot of films that that embellish, you know, what what a character can do. Right. That, that drives comic book fans crazy. You know, <laughs> like like hey, how can this one do this? You know, how can this one do that? Like yeah, they just wrote that in for for you to uh, to to dissect and whatever. <laughs> not that there's not an army of nerds on the internet that'll berate you every five seconds every mistake you make, but um, this was really before nerd culture latched on though, and of course they didn't have the internet this time, so it's like oh they did, they'd be all over the shit, man. Oh yeah, no, there would there would be some bad bad shit going down. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> on BBS somewhere. <laughs> yes. I'll continue. I'm sorry, sorry. Keep keep interrupting you. 
no, I, I think that's all I, the negatives I have to say. I'm, I, I do have a lot of positives too. Like, um, I think I think Christopher Reeve is really good in this. He's like, trying. He really is. He is. Like, he wants this movie to work. He's trying to sell it. Um, unfortunately, he does have. Uh, <laughs> it's funny. Uh, they they used a uh, they and they used this before in the previous films too. They for the for the shots of him flying they have a harness of course and yes. the harness is around his hips his, his and crotch, in the previous mm-hmm. yeah in the pre in the previous films they hit it really well so you don't see it but in this film it's a canon film so it's like fuck it <laughs> we're not we're not gonna hide it so half the time he looks like he had himself some uh extra ice cream on that day <laughs> where his hips look a little bigger apparently that even caused like speculation at the time that um he, you know, he had been gaining weight or something like that, which is weird because the the idea that he'd only be gaining weight at the hips and nowhere else because he's still the fucking lean, mean Christopher Reeve that everyone knows and loves from the previous films. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I really love Gene Hackman in this um, because, just because I love Gene Hackman. Again, they're all they're all really trying. They're all really trying. They to really are. In there, when the Gene end. Hackman is reading hands down the worst ever lines ever written for him on this film in his career. And he's still doing it like a fucking champ. He's still like, fuck it, I'm getting paid. So I'll give you everything I got. Is it like the useless at night line? You know, (laughs) I I think he says something about, you know, nuclear, I mean, he's useless at night, much like you, Luddy, you know, or something like that. He says, Mm -hmm. talk to his nephew. No, he's great in this. Um, he's way better than this film deserves, honestly. Like he's just he's hitting it out out, out of the fucking park. Um, I will say that like this this film does fly by really quick. Um, it's cool. there's never a dull moment in it. Like it, there's a little bit of like some of the uh, the the comedy of errors kind of thing where it's trying to be Superman and Clark Kent at the same time in this love triangle thing, but. Um, other than that, yeah, it's 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 fine. It, it's it's I honestly I don't think it's any worse than Superman three. No, if, it, if that's not damning really. a faint phrase, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't. Go ahead. Yeah, not really at all. It's not. It's not, It's. I think they're about equal because I I, mm-hmm. I watched Superman three recently, just just to watch it, and you know, and, and there's a lot of merit in in both films to where. You know, Superman 3, there's the only film where you actually got, and probably the only film you're ever going to get, where they actually have a Brainiac scene in it, to where Clark yeah. splits in two, and he's fighting the, the, the evil version of himself. And right. you you get great Robert Vaughn in that movie. There's a lot, there's a lot to be, to be, to love about Superman 3. Unfortunately, it's not Richard Pryor, which was their main draw for that movie. <laughs> yeah, that that's the weird thing. And I mean, this film is... It's sorely missing Ned Beatty, I think. Like, that would be... It would be great if they could have got him back. And, like, what the fuck was he doing at this point? Like, that he didn't want to take a paycheck from Canon. I don't know. I'm guessing, I'm <laughs> guessing back to school, I'm, I'm guessing, right around this time. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's right, probably, yeah. So, yeah, probably back to school probably did pay better. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, there, there's a lot of fun stuff in this. I mean... Especially if you're if you're a canon fan, you you just kind of roll the punches and you kind of enjoy it. Uh, I, I don't want to make it sound like oh, I'm just gonna you know make up excuses and apologize as a canon fan you, for you, stuff. You, but you, you can't apologize for those for 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 Yorm and, and Manahum because 
they had a $50 million budget for this movie that was paid to them by Warner's, I believe. Yeah. And instead of spending the $50 million, the budget was cut to, like, $23 million for this very effects-heavy film. And I think it went to Masters and, and, and their failed Spider-Man project that never even got off the ground. Right. Like, the official numbers I've seen in several places is that the budget was supposed to be around 36, and that's probably before, like, ad- advertising and all that mm-hmm. shit, right? Um, and they cut it down to about 17, and then I guess the box office was about 11.2, something around that line. So, so it, you know, of course it didn't make money. But, yeah, they had, um, I read they had 30 projects on the go at this point. Something like that, something ridiculous. Yeah. So a lot of those were obviously just like uh, money laundering movies, basically. <laughs> and they were hustling their asses off too, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it's kind of sad because you know this is again with like Street Smart. This is around the time when they were actually starting to get some movies that were getting like awards and recognition for quality here and there. Just just you know just by lucky happenstance, I guess more than anything else. But. Um, Man, they were still hustling themselves right into a fucking financial pit. Like, <laughs> man, it, the Superman four, it's 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 good, you know, for 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 in, in the can of Superman films, it, it's it's just a, it's it's better than Superman three. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll redact that statement. That it is better than Superman three, but the problem is, you know, the, the budget, like you said, and they they, they talk about this in, in the in the. And the Electric Boogaloo doc about, you know, how you're going to make an effects-heavy movie on this money. You just can't do it, so you get a lot of bad green screen shots when they're falling. Oh, yeah, the composite stuff in this. Like, it's also weird, because you can obviously see they spent money on some of these shots where they look really good. Mm-hmm. Like, the like the initial stuff in the outer space and all that, where he saves the cosmonauts, mm-hmm. that all looks really great. It does. But, but then you get these really fucking terrible composite shots where I would be afraid to see the Blu-ray of this. Like, my God, it would probably look terrible. But, man, they look bad. Like, some of this stuff just looks so shitty. <laughs> like, some of the worst composite stuff I remember seeing anytime in the, in the last while. And, yeah, it's just like, wow, half this movie just shit the bed financially. Like, you can see where they pulled the money. Like, you can just kind of, like, watch the movie and see the point where they pulled the mo- money out mm-hmm. from under the rug, right? I mean, there's the parts where he's, like, charging, flying towards the screen, and they just keep changing mm-hmm. the screen, changing the screen. Yeah. I, I th- watching in this viewing, I thought about Wayne's World. To when, <laughs> when Noah's Arcade took over Wayne's World, they had the yeah. green screen. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm in Delaware. Or in Delaware, <laughs> you know, they kept changing the screen. That's what it reminded me of the whole time. And, uh, and they couldn't—they couldn't even do that here. Like they would have been better off with green screens of like New York and stuff like that, because they shot a bunch of this in England. And w- one of these shots, I from what if if I'm not mistaken, it's supposed to be Forty Second Street, but it's obviously fucking England. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not. There's, there's nothing American about the fucking street. <laughs> they, they tried to, apparently they had some pigeons that they released 
to try to make it look a little bit more New York-y. But other than that, it's like, no. Like, they, they just – they didn't even decide to go to, like, fucking Canada, which they had the option of doing, which would have been way cheaper for them. And they could have, like, did Toronto or something like that, which would have been a fair replacement for New York. Like, it's been done a million times. But they didn't even do that. So it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a mess for a lot of reasons, and but I think it's an enjoyable mess because the, the the cheese factor is there. Yeah. I mean, n- n- Nuclear Man is is a laughable but insanely towering beast of a man, and <laughs> every he, t- he, 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 every he could t- have been played by Fabio or Dolph Lundgren. Anybody, because he wasn't talking. No. I mean, if, if you ever seen Flash Gordon, that's not his voice either. They just think yeah. because he was he, he they were too they were too cheap to pay him to come back for ADR work. He said, "Okay, just put somebody else's voice in there." In this yeah. in this case, it's Academy Award winning actor Gene Hackman doing the <laughs> voice of Nuclear Man, and he has to laugh at this now. He has to. Like, I wonder if he got two. I wonder if he got two paychecks out of this. I'd imagine he did. He had, he had to be paid well. Like yeah, said, he, just, he just made fucking Hoosiers. You know, just fucking Hoosiers. You come, you come to make do Superman four, where you're forced to go to a recording studio and say, "Now I have fun," you know. And <laughs> uh, so here's my question to you: Which is the better superhero movie from this year, this or Masters of the Universe? Oh, Masters, hundred percent. Because yeah, I think yeah. Masters kind of hit me where I live. I, I, I've said this all day long to people. You know, Lex Luthor's great. But Langella went in there and delivered a stellar performance, and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it on another show of these. But I don't want to get too far into it. But they they did yeah, what okay, they, they yeah. did what they can for what they stole from the, from the Superman <laughs> four budget. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I have a lot of fun with it, so <laughs> I'll leave it at yeah. that. Uh, also, one one last question. Uh, do you think poor Lenny gets raped because he gets sent to a Catholic boys' school? Oh, for maybe. juveniles, <laughs> Lenny, he's, he's juvenile very, offenders. He's, he's a very bad boy, and I'm sure there's lots yeah. of uh, lots of desperate uh, priests in that boys' town just waiting for uh, his sweet, I mean, his sweet ass to, to pull up and uh, you know. There, there's a canon spinoff here where Lenny gets raped and murdered, and then fucking Charles Bronson has to investigate the yes. Catholic juvenile detention. I would watch. This I'm movie. here to, yeah, uh, I'm here to investigate some rapes. We didn't rape anybody. No dice. Yeah, Jimmy Olsen, come here, cub reporter from, from, from the Daily Planet. <laughs> Mark McClure, <laughs> making another appearance. <laughs> this guy, oh, I, I can't talk shit about the poor man. People love Mark McClure. I, 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 love, I love Mark McClure. He, he's, he's my Jimmy Olsen, and, you know. Mm-hmm. No, he does a great job. The fact that he just keeps coming back for these these <laughs> cheese fests, you know, and man, <laughs> and for a fact that that Mark McClure is is Jeffrey X Martin's favorite Jimmy Olsen as well, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Anything else you can say about this movie? What would you give it one to ten? Yeah, no, I, I don't think I need to say anything else. I think I said it all. Um, I, I would, I would definitely say it's worth watching. It's not a good movie on certain scales but it is an entertaining movie nonetheless um i'd sit this solidly at like a five i think like it it gets the bare pass 
and there's a lot of enjoyment to be had from it. Just don't expect, honestly, don't expect a good Superman movie is the way I'd put it. Expect a lot of bullshit and a lot of fun. And if you don't, also, if you know, if you if you're not like super invested in the first couple Superman movies where they're like something you love so much that you know you, you would name your kid after fucking Christopher Reeve or something like that. Mm-hmm then you would probably have a lot of fun with this. Uh, otherwise, you might want to stay clear. But there you go. Yeah, I, I think I I, I, gra- I try to grade a film on how much fun I can have with it. And mm-hmm. this, this film has a lot of fun stuff. It has a lot of dumb stuff in it, too. But you know what? If you watch, go, go rewatch Superman 2 and see how much dumb stuff pops up in that movie. Because it's a plenty. It, it gets it yeah. gets it gets really good, you know, when he's fighting Zod and stuff. But there's a lot of dumb stuff in between, like the Niagara Falls bit, and right. you know, if you watch the Donner cut, whether whatever cut you watch, and I, I can't shit on the Donner cut because he kind of got fucked over by those guys. But you know, whatever cut you watch, you know, there's a lot of silly stuff in Superman too. But it is much more revered than Superman four, and it should it should be it really it really should be, and you know, yeah. But and it's it's you know it's got Sarah Douglas looking super hot. Yeah. Um. What's what's, what's Superman? A, what's a better part two of that movie though? Superman two or Beastmaster two? Where you got Wings Hauser and Sarah Douglas in the movie hammering it up. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You make a great argument there. <laughs> that is that is a wonderful argument. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. No, but Superman two wins. In the, I'd imagine in, in that argument. But um. Superman 4 I have a lot of fun with and I'm going to give it a 6 for that reason and uh, I, I wish I wish it, it could be better you know nothing's nothing's ever going to top that first one not, not even not even today's Superman fairs are probably ever going to top that first one you, you, you did believe no. you did believe a man could fly in that movie and yeah no the, the first the first one's like on the level of like you know the big biblical epic productions from early Hollywood, you know, or, you know, classic Hollywood. Um, whereas all the sequels are diminishing returns, but still Superman two is really good too. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah I'd, I'd say it becomes more popcorn entertainment as you go. So you'll see a lot of YouTube videos, you know, nostalgia critic, all these people shitting on this movie and they should, this movie, should, mm-hmm. this movie should be dumped on, but it should be viewed as well. Just, just because uh, it's it's wonderful popcorn cheese, in, yeah. in every sense of the words, and uh, I, I think that everybody should watch it. If they even if they, like they hear it, oh, I've heard horror stories about Superman four. It's like, no, watch that shit, watch that shit, watch watch how silly, you know, Nuclear Man is, and watch how <laughs> watch how watch just watches as Gene Hackman collects another paycheck because yeah. he's just he is cashing checks. I don't know what his what his what his pay was for this movie. But like you said, I imagine he got two checks. One's for the Lex Luthor role that he wanted to play, and a much bigger check for the the, the Mark Pillow voiceover that he didn't want to do at all. Because <laughs> it's just really bad, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention, there's um, If you watch the deleted scenes, there's a scene where I don't condone hitting women, but it was just so fast where... <laughs> I, think, I think it's either Nuclear Man or Lex Luthor... The deleted scene where they kidnap um, Lacey, who's Mer- Meryl Hemingway, and yeah. he gives her a quick slap. I, right. I don't know which slap is more smoother, that or or uh, or uh, Fast Black's uh, pimp slap and, and, and Street Smart. 
but uh, oh, I think I think I, I, I think I'd give it the fast black on that one. Yeah, it's, 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 there's that's a weird parallel, but it's there. Yeah, you know, it's really there. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, we'll end this here, and uh, we'll come back to close out the show. Hey, feeling down? Feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life? Why not try? They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails Ya. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Leah, this is the the end of the show, but I'm I'm glad you came on to do this with me, and uh, you're always welcome back um, anytime you can make it. Oh, uh, thanks a lot. I was I was happy to come on. It was a lot of fun. I don't know what the next canon show will be, but I'm sure it'll be something uh, something cheesy. I'm, I'm trying to do this thing right, babe. I, I pick something cheesy and something serious, you know. Yeah. But like next next movie, you may have like I don't know America three thousand paired with Runaway Train. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it works out. You know, it's like why you put those movies together? Because I want to make it a real hodgepodge of garbage. And let, let, let's just think of it that way. And uh, although I don't think Runaway Train is garbage, but in in neither, no. neither well, America three thousand is garbage, but it does have a Sasquatch with a boombox on roller skates. <laughs> and n- n- not many films have that. And uh, no. It's it's good in that respect, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but um, Lee, uh, pip your stuff, sir. Tell them about your show and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So uh, my main podcast is "They Must Be Destroyed on Sight." Uh, you can go to tmbdos.podbean.com to find all the requisite links uh, associated with that. Um, we do a little bit of everything. We don't necessarily stick to one genre. Uh, so, you know, we'll jump from horror. We just finished up uh, sex comedies. We're going to be doing a bunch of horror stuff for most of the summer. Uh, we do black exploitation, Italian crime films, spaghetti westerns, sex comedies, a little bit of everything um, from schlocky to like actually really big budget great movies um we tend not to do a lot of modern stuff though so um if that sounds like something you're interested in you should check it out also have a sub podcast on that same feed called blood on the tracks which is just me sort of doing a uh bullshit radio show where i play a bunch of soundtrack music that i like um and i'm enjoying doing that as well and uh I do have one other podcast uh, that I'm on that I'll, I'll talk about. Uh, it's called City of the Dead that I do with uh, my friend James Murphy. He brought me on as co-host, and we were doing all the Amicus films. Uh, they're horror films, and they're sort of obscure other films that they did. We just finished all the Amicus films, and now we're sort of branching out doing 
sort of like amicus adjacent films. Uh, we're probably going to do some like hammer films and stuff like that at that point, at some point. So if that sounds like something you're interested in, you can, uh, look, look up, uh, city of the dead. Um, I'll just throw the link to Gary and he'll put it in the show notes. I'm sure. So I just listened to the, to the, you're, you're on Unca- the, the episode for the uncanny, which is a film that I enjoyed a little too much. You know? <laughs> yeah. I caught it. I caught it a few months ago that you guys did a show. I'm like, let, let's see what Lee and his buddy think about it. And I think we're all on the same page that the, the cat tossing was on point, but um, <laughs> the, the reverse camera work on the the witchcraft segment was a little bit of not on point, and you know. Yeah, if if you like Doctor uh, Tongue's House of Cats, you might enjoy that film. Lots of <laughs> yeah, lot, lots lots of cat throwing in that movie though. It's, <laughs> it's amazing. It should be a Academy Award winning. But, uh, Academy Award winning, yes. yes. Hey, <laughs> best reward for cat throwing goes to, hey, you win, you know. But uh, I don't condone cat throwing. Maybe some fake cats, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I think only fake cats were uh, thrown in the production of that picture. I don't think so. so but you, can, oh, really? you can believe that if you want to. I don't think so, though. <laughs> I don't think they gave a fuck about animal control back in those days. I'm not sure, but... Uh, well, well, yeah, and it was made in Canada on the cheap, so but they they cut around it pretty well, so you couldn't really tell. <laughs> Some of them cats look genuinely in peril, and you know that's <laughs> that's that's sad, but it's true. But, yeah, uh, yeah, this show with um two Jigmenum commentaries, which we just did uh right around this time, this should be released. Uh, the Savage Weekend episode should be out, and uh, we got real filthy on that one. We had we had a lot of fun watching that that sort of slasher movie. That had, yeah. had a lot of titties in it, and uh, <laughs> my god, um, yeah, that and um, this show both on legionpodcast.com or with a lot of other great shows are pumping out. And if you ever want, if you're not watching House of Wax on YouTube or download the show, uh, Ricky's brand new baby, I think you guys uh, should, should go check that out and uh, get some good laughs out of it. I just watched the thing, the thing episode on Friday, and I was rolling, it was, it was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Ricky Morgan's the man. Is are you two competing for Duncan's spot as like most prolific Legion guy? Oh, I, I could never be. I could never be as good as Ricky if I tried. Ricky's a <laughs> Ricky's a consummate entertainer, and in so many respects, and you know, he does bits and stuff. And I I I, I try to write bits to do, and I sound so wooden. And he's a performer. Ricky is, and I, I can't. I can I can never live up to that. So. Ricky, Ricky is the man at, at Legion. So there you go. No, let's let's really talk about Ricky Morgan here for a minute. He can't fucking tie your shoes, sir. That this guy, this guy, I don't know. Uh, Hail Ming. Sometimes he's there, sometimes he's not. He's given uh, cinema psyops all kinds of trouble in the past. I don't know. Maybe maybe the maybe the jury's not quite. Uh, come back in for him he maybe we should just he give he, gary hill a chance he doesn't do cut and paste editing like anybody like look like i do at all you know it's just it's, uh, <laughs> the magic of the magical cut and paste editing of, of the sun beef podcast that's right behind the scenes stuff guys there's not much on the credit room floor and so hope you guys uh like all the stupid jokes <laughs> <laughs> even the ones that don't land but um yeah we'll see you guys all next time when we're doing something else on this wonderful program being the Sim Beef Podcast, where if you've got beef, we've got the grinder. See you guys next time.
was in wasn't a ladies' man. He just come along and scoop him up under his arm like that. Quick as a cat in the jungle. Clark Kent, now there was a real gent. He would not be caught sitting around in no jungle scheme. Dumb as an ape doing nothing. Superman never made any money for saving the world from Solomon Grundy. Sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him. Hey Bob, Sue had a straight job. Even though he could have smashed through any bank in the United States, he had the strength, but he would not. Said his family were all dead. Planet crumbled, but Superman he forced himself to carry on. Forget Krypton and keep going. Sometimes I despair. The world will never see another man like him. Tarzan was king of the jungle and lord over all the apes, but he could hardly string together. Sometimes when soup was stopping crimes, I'll bet that he was tempted to just quit and turn his back on them. Join Tarzan in the forest. Stayed in the city, kept on changing clothes and dirty old phone booths till his work was through. Had nothing to do but go home. The world will never see another man like him. And sometimes I despair. The world will never see another man.